And we're live here, Turn Back the Clock, episode 22. We have three special guests. You know me and Dylan, we're always here. But we have Greg from Midlife Cards. We have Theo Clemente Collector, John Mangini, the Mangini Collection. And uh, we're all friends here, but this might get a little heated. This is going to be, <laughs> I'll call this like a roundtable debate type thing. We've got a few topics that we're going to go back and forth. We all love the hobby. We all like each other, but we have differing opinions on the things we're going to be talking about tonight. So this should be fun. And a lot of this stuff has been brewing for years now. So it's all coming out here on the table. Um, you know what I want to do first, guys, if I could? Uh, this is going to go out as a podcast, too, so people that would just listen audio. Um, so let's go around and uh, uh, if you could just introduce yourself and then let me know what you think. Give us a prediction like Price is Right style, what you think the Babe Ruth card is going to finish at for a price okay how about that well let's go uh, look at these guys thinking all of a sudden oh let's see. <laughs> greg greg let's go to uh, you first i gotta go first and set yeah. the you want to go last on the prices yeah. right not first right <laughs> you know what? bad idea bad idea because then that gives an advantage to uh who, theo who will go last let's just do take a guess whoever comes closest you can go over and still win <laughs> okay um well so first off what is the babe ruth card gonna go for um well, the record, you know, it's going to go for more than the mantles, I think, right? So if it's going to go for more than the mantles, I don't th think it'll go for as much as a as a Wagner. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, eleven million. Oh, so mantle is twelve point six. Yeah. So you don't think I was gonna go. Oh. Do you so, think eleven million? Okay, I'll go eleven million. That was okay. that the last mantle that went for that. The nine five went for twelve. Yeah. 12.6. Uh, I'm still going to go 11. Dude, you right. just contradicted yourself right out of the gates. 11, though. Okay, that's, that's okay. good. That's uh, yeah, good. that's that's fine. Hey, you know. All right. Uh, Dylan, you said 11, too? Yeah, well, that was my initial. But All right, well, uh, I'll go. Let's go 10.5. Uh, okay, 10.5. How about you, John? I'll go 9. 9. Ooh. Theo? Um. The amount of publicity this card has gotten is ridiculous, first off. But uh, I'm going to go 13. 13, 13 million. all right. I'm going to go 12.5. 12.5. All right. So the king so of I'm right, in, I'm right in the middle. I thought I thought it was maybe going to be a on the low side, but I'm right in the middle. All right. We'll see who came closest after uh, – if I could do a little math after the fact. All right. Uh, here we go, guys. I want to get into this first. So I just mentioned the Babe Ruth card, which is in an SGC holder, by the way. Uh, so I, actually, I want to ask you guys first: What do you? Th why is that in an SGC holder? What's your What's your theory on that? Why did they go SGC? Why did the the mantle, uh, you know, nine point five go SGC? Why did they not go PSA with these cards? What's your What's your feeling? Let's go, John first. Well, I, I really don't know. I could I could tell you that a lot of the the vintage collectors prefer SGC uh, over PSA, but I really don't know. I really don't know. Maybe because PSA, you know, these long large auctions went and uh, you know the cards were trimmed and stuff that they graded. I don't know. What do you think, anyone? Uh, what do you guys? I don't think it makes a difference in the world on a card like this. As PSA, I, SGC, I don't either. Makes no difference. I don't. I don't think it makes a difference, but I think it's got to be the upcharges. I mean, the upcharges of PSA make that card a lot more expensive. So, 
I mean, I don't know what the upcharge is in that in that range, that tier. Yeah, but PSA probably would have graded for free. Right. Just that's true. That's you true. Know, they probably just reached out. It's probably graded for free. I mean, that's my just guessing. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, um, prior to the pandemic, and this is based off of me doing research, obviously, uh, but SGC had a following for vintage, and it was actually their bread and butter was vintage, and it was actually during the pandemic that SGC tried to do a bit of a pivot to try to get the modern, all the modern money, I feel like, and then the Pokemon money right now. So I, I, I honestly think old school, old school vintage collectors trust SGC. Um, that's my opinion on it, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't it's like to speak on things I don't, I don't know anything about. <laughs> but uh, I agree with Theo, that, and that's what I said out the gate, is that a lot of the vintage collectors from the old days preferred SGC, but who knows? I would, I would guess, you know, maybe they, um, they wanted the, pu the publicity with this and negotiated something for that. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, agree with, I agree with Dylan. I don't think the, the, whether it's SGC or PSA is going to matter a whole lot with that card. Mm -mm. And uh, you, we should be talking about the card rather than the slab it's in, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it's, 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 a, it's a decent card. Yeah, I'll give it that. It's pretty good. Good yeah. Card. Does anybody even care about the card or is it just I, the slab? <laughs> I think the mantle is a way better looking card. By like well, I guess low because people are so um, so into condition these days. And, you know, if that was a nine or a ten, I'd say 20 million. But in that condition, I think uh, with the current market, I think nine. I don't even it's know. Just, what just a it guess. Is. What grade is it? A three. 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 And I think it's the second highest ever graded, and there's only there's only ten ever graded. So the mantle, I mean, it's not that it's not that rare of a card, actually. Um, you know, this is a I'm no. This is card. way more rare card. Way yeah, more. Uh, ten graded. That's pretty crazy. You know, I don't think I don't think any have sold for the last two years. So yeah, I, I mean, way I, low. It could go for twice what we're guessing. Who knows these days? <laughs> I have the no th idea. The thing about the price is it, it could be like a publicity stunt by somebody too to get the attention. I mean, remember back the Bonds home run ball and the guy from Echo, I think it was, bought it. And it was that was like a publicity stunt for Echo. Like, this is going to be in the news. The person who buys it, their name is going to be in the news. So there's like, it just depends on of these rich people out there who wants to be in the news and get that ESPN article with their name on it the most, you know? So that is that it's more than just the card. It's a publicity thing as well. So that throws a whole different level of what it might sell for, which makes it almost impossible to even guess. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it comes down to this is a bunch of rich guys uh, bidding on this. Obviously it's not the normal collectors. It's, it's just like you're saying kind of this, is why does somebody own an NBA team? Because there's only 30 of them. So it's it's kind of like, hey, look at me. I, I own one of 30 of this. Same thing. There's there's 10 of these. So if you're a rich guy and you have one of the 10, that says a lot. Like the Arizona Diamondbacks guy. He like he has some cards that you know nobody else has. You know, that's kind of good show off. Good Dylan. Um forgot what I was gonna say. He's raising his hand. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's get into our first topic. I, I wanted to bring that up because we're going to talk PSA for a little bit here. Um, so I just figured I'd, I'd bring that up because it, I thought it was interesting. Let's talk. Uh, the title of this episode, the first part is, is PSA a scam? The reason I put that in there 
is because I see that over and over. I see that in comments and, and YouTube videos. I may have heard, John, you might have even said that before in, in some form or another. So I want to go to, can you tell us first, do you think it's a scam? If not, uh, what, what would you call PSA? What, what's wrong with PSA in your opinion, if you could sum it up? I got a timer here. So mm -hmm. what do you say? Three minutes per person? Yeah. yeah, a couple minutes, two minutes. Two minutes. If you can. Yeah, give or take. Go, who's up? John. Go ahead, Dylan. You go. No, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going. Tell us what you don't like about PSA. Oh, who's me? going? Who's yeah, going? Go John Mangini. John First Mangini. All, I'm running this ship, guys. I am running this ship. John Mangini. <laughs> okay, let me let me just let me just clear the airwaves here. I did not say PSA was a scam. My okay. video had question mark. Is PSA? Uh, fair, fair. Clickbait, clickbait. And, and, and no, that's how you could say something without taking total accountability for it. But you you shared a video. Um, I actually I know this guy uh, Carlson Cards. He does a podcast. He has a, a good YouTube channel. I bought a card off him at the National, and he he uh, posted a video where man he took the same cards. He had PSA. I think one was a seven PSA six, and he sent them back in, and the same cards got tens. So we're talking. Yep. You shared that video. I watched that same one. And yeah, that, I shared that yeah, with you guys. That's but that's not that's not the first one I've seen. I've seen lots of them. Right. Or at least several. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, we put all this emphasis on, you know, collectors do on paying up for those nines and tens. But even PSA can't tell the difference, because if they could, you wouldn't get uh, different grades so consistently. Mm -hmm. Well, and I go no, what, what I don't like about grading is not the grading itself, because I've obviously had cards graded and uh, embraced it early on. What, what I always don't like about grading is what it's done to the hobby, like how it's uh, changed the hobby, where even though you can't tell the difference between a 9 and 10, and I'd venture to say that most collectors can't tell the difference between an 8 and a 10, uh, you know, the price of a 10 is astronomical and nobody seems to ever want anything less anymore and i think that it affects with the modern card everything's a freaking 10 right like they all are right out of a pack so i think it brings down vintage cards and will help to be the demise of the non-big iconic cards and and we're already seeing that happen with the vintage prices that are coming down uh, because I just think as time goes on, the people that collect the modern cards that are all tens, uh, they there's a bad stigma for a beautiful three or four. See, I, I mean, I mean, you see it now, like when you're when you see a video, it's like even if it's a graded card, like somebody will show it up and they'll tell you everything that's wrong with that card, and and rather than just enjoy it for what it is, it's like hooking up with a beautiful woman. <laughs> and you had the time of your life. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, guys, I hooked up with this. Oh, man, she was outstanding. But, you know, she, her butt was just a little too big. Or I, her boobs were a little too small. You know, <laughs> like you're going to critique everything. No, just uh, enjoy it. Like it, it, <laughs> enjoy the card. I don't John, know I disagree. I disagree. That's a completely little... terrible analogy. Uh, women have feelings. Women have feelings. Cards are not people. They don't have feelings. Okay? Cards have no. feelings, man. No, they don't. They All talk right. to me. 
Yeah. <laughs> I could say whatever I want about my cards. Theo, go ahead. Um, so first off, I disagree with John when he says um, vintage cards are going down right now because of the uh, the people out there feel like a modern 10 vintage are looking at it and I feel like I feel like vintage cards are going down right now because of the economy. Um, I actually think it's a good sign that they're not going down as far as modern cards right now. Um, so that's my opinion on that. But my opinion on PSA is is I feel like it's inconsistent, and that's why I feel like you, us as collectors shouldn't trust them. I feel like they don't grade consistently, and I know John was speaking to that point. The consistency with grading is a big issue, and um, and I just that's my biggest problem with them is whenever I see inconsistencies where people get stuff regraded and it's not even close and we pay them all this money and there's no accountability. So uh, it just, it just, it just stinks because they get all, they get all the money in the hobby and they're inconsistent. So that's kind of my issue with them. Well, Greg, you did an awesome video. I mean, I love all your videos, but the, the one you did about PSA where you were specifically, we're talking about, you did a breakdown of if they're grading a million cards a month and you, you really broke it down as far as like, uh, like everything, including how much you, how much these graders are getting paid. Uh, I think, what was it like $17 an hour for some of the, you know, the junior graders that, that to me is, that is striking because, you know, one of the theories I have is I, I feel like some of these grade inconsistencies is because PSA is maybe using that gentleman software they have, and maybe it's not that good. Uh, maybe people aren't even looking at some of these cards and that's why you're seeing such a huge swing. I mean, what do you, what do you think on that, Greg? Well, G, uh, John had his hand up. So go ahead, John, say what you're going to say. I was just going to say, who told you to look into those numbers? <laughs> that was a reaction. So that's, actually, that's one of the things that I've been harping on because when I was I, out in LA, you know, I, I had seen an ad a while back uh, for a PSA card graders and it said no experience needed. And they were paying like $13 an hour in LA. And I'm like, these are the people I'm sending my my expensive cards in to grade. Like I, I I know more than them. Why am I paying them to grade these things? So I gave I gave John a shout out at the start of the video because John had responded to a previous video in the comments to me and said they can't be spending that much time on each card. It's ridiculous. That's why it's not trustworthy. And then he also cited Orlando, who's in the chat. When Orlando went to grading school, which he's talked about a little bit, that, you know, you have like a two minute max or something. Orlando, you correct us in the chat if, if it, that's not it. But what what was happening is it was like, yeah, well, let's actually look at the numbers and just get kind of like an idea of what that means. Um, see, the thing about the thing about if you go to any if you go to Starbucks, right, what happens at Starbucks is they don't really care about you. Because you're just coming in, you're coming out, there's a million people coming through. But if you go to the local coffee shop, right, they know your name, they say, hey, they know how to make your drink, they don't even need to ask you what you want. It's a boutique. And the smaller scale, you can keep up the quality control. You can keep up the charm. And that's SGC's best asset. SGC's best asset is that they haven't outgrown their their staff and their staffing and their training. And PSA got the whole backlog. They got all this heat for the backlog. They hired a bunch of people that did, didn't know what they're doing. A bunch of them are like Long Beach State students and a, a lot of the colleges right there. 
in LA, they hired these kids to come in at 17 bucks an hour. It couldn't have been 13, by the way, John, because the minimum wage in California, believe it or not, is actually $16 an hour right now. But no, that was that was back in like 2014 or something. Okay. So, but and the 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 thing is, is that that's SGC's best attribute is that they aren't as big as PSA and they can control the. I mean, we've seen the videos. I mean, and I know a lot of people bash on sports card investor and it's easy to kind of you know tease on him but the thing about jeff wilson that's good though is he gets us access to some of those places and he had a video that came out a couple years ago where he went into the sgc facility and they kind of walked you through the whole process and what it looks like and you look around the room and you're like there's not that many people in here (laughs) like there's not that many people and and they all know each other and it's like you know the the CEO Peter's like right there along the way and he's very involved and he's keeping an eye on everything and PSA can't have that if they're doing one and a half million cards you know a month and they claim to have 7000 employees there's no way they have that many that are actually at the facilities that they're doing the grading mm-hmm. so to me the biggest problem with PSA is they got too big, too fast, and they completely lost quality control. I think there was a time that they were probably pretty good. I mentioned on my video the other day, you know, my dad at one point sent a big submission into PSA and he came back and a ton of the grades were just like crazy. So he like emailed them and the CEO called him. I mean, called him personally. And this is, you know, not super long ago. So they used to have that. And now it's gone. And now you can't even get them to return your call. So the biggest issue with PSA for me is that they've completely lost quality control because of their size. They outgrew it. And and the same thing would probably, Dylan, you go ahead. But I just want to say, I think the same exact thing would happen to SGC if they if they grew that big that fast. It's, it's, it's almost, a, for me, it's like a problem of none of these other grading companies are doing anything to really challenge PSA. I mean, I saw... SGC has a podcast. They did their fo- first podcast episode today, which was cool. But all the all the moves they've made to try to to try to gain market share, I feel like <clears throat> nah, they're just not not taking hold, man. I mean, I know the turnaround times are great, but you know, consistent grading is yes, that's nice. But let's face it, at the end of the day, we're with vintage cards. We always say the grade doesn't matter anyway, right? Like these people want their PSA cards in their holders because they like the brand or. You know, they for whatever reason they want PSA for consistency, but I don't really care about what I get for a vintage grade when I get it back for my for my stuff. So is it that important, really? I mean, it's nice, but I guess if you're talking about modern stuff, but like with vintage, I don't know. Do I, I don't really care if I get a, a four or a six. If I if I like the card, I like the card, and that's the but way most. You know what though? Everybody says that they don't care about the grade. Then why spend tens of thousands of dollars to grade your cards? If John, you don't care you, about the grade. John, John, you've graded your cards before though, so that's kind of hypocritical. I haven't graded my. I haven't graded cards in years. Dylan, years. Dylan, Dylan, you'll jump in. But I, I've answered this question so many times. Uh, for me personally, I'm I like the intellectual. You don't watch my channel. But so why did why did John grade his cards two years ago? No, he's not. That's what hey, I don't understand. Me and John have this long-standing thing about is PSA the devil or is it not? I, I, me and him, we never had like a conversation face to face about this stuff. It's always via text and they always get lost in translation or videos. I agree with John that the PSA is like a cigarette company or like a, an SGC and CGC, all the grading companies 
they they need us to buy and be addicted to graded cards. But my take on it is that I love the fact that they have this opportunity because in my day and age, to simplify things on the Beckett, there was two grades when I was a kid. There was two grades in the Beckett. When I go to Baseball Cards Plus, one could have been folded in half and a crease across the top. It's going to cost me this, and the other one's going to cost me this. Where now, with grading, I have 10 different versions of the grades to start with. So I could technically buy a Ted Williams card today that cost me the exact same amount of that Ted Williams card when I was eight years old. That's why I love grading. I think the grading companies, as far as seeing a, being consistent, they all suck. They're all all over the place. It's us. It's humans grading cards that know less about cards than most of the people getting the cards graded. And I totally get that. But I don't care because as a long-term collector, it's irrelevant to me. I'm not trying to save everybody in this world. I'm trying to just be my own self and collect my own cards. So. I don't really care that they're trying to make these PSA 10s worth more value or other people are. I know there's a difference between a PSA 9 and a PSA 10 when I look through a loop. That's the only way. And I can tell 99% time when I send a card into PSA if it's going to be a 10 or, or not. Now, they definitely make mistakes all the time. And can I see the difference from literally one inch away? Most of the time, no. Most of the time, you might see a little whiting on a corner that would make it a nine, but most of the time, no. And most of the time in eight, you're going to, it's going to look just like a 10. And that's the problem that the hobby has, but I don't have that problem. I don't really care. The grading system to me is so special and meaningful because it got the equilibrium of me collecting vintage cards without being scared of talking to these dealers and without being scared of buying a card on the internet in 1998, knowing if it was authentic or fake or anything like that. And not that these companies don't make mistakes. I'm not defending these companies. I'm defending the grading system. I love that there's graded cards that needs to be fixed. And AI to me is the way to do it. Make it equal. So every time you send a card in, it will get the same grade, whatever that system ends up being, or whatever the algorithm algorithm ends up being, we'll adjust to it. And if they're all consistent and they use the same algorithm behind it, whatever that is, then we can all go where we want to go. And as far as that, that's, I think me and well, John have the same thoughts. We just express it differently. Uh, yeah. Get back, get back to the consistency part. Do you, do you think percentage wise, does PSA make more mistakes than SGC? No, same. Same. Who, what do you guys think? More. More. Or do we just see them more because very few people are grading with SGC compared to PSA? All the videos. PSA vintage cards look better than SGC vintage cards most of the time. In my opinion, now well, here, I've here. been SGC collector forever, but has always been SGC eights when I was younger in two in year 2000, 98, 99. SGC eights, you could get a lot of off center stuff in sevens, a lot more than the PSA. So a lot of guys are cracking those, and vice versa, and sending them to PSA. PSA sending those to SGC, getting a higher grade in SGC, but it doesn't make either one worse. I just think PSA is the winner because of their, I guess you would call it consistency, even though they all make the same amount of mistakes. Done. We're done. Next. Hey, I just want to say something. Recently, I've seen a lot of people getting um, cards back from PSA that they wouldn't grade saying um, min didn't meet minimum size or whatever. And they're sending them to SGC and SGC is assigning a grade. 
So <clears throat> are those cards trimmed um, and SGC is grading them or is PSA mistaken uh, and they should be assigning them a number? Uh, we don't know that. But the one thing that sparked a video I did was that NFL player um, who was trimming cards and PSA was assigning them grades because one of the, and, and he claims he did this in a big way, in a big way. And we, you know, one of the things everybody always says is, well, I buy PSA graded cards because I don't want to buy a trimmed one on eBay. Just, Dylan just said it basically. Well, if PSA is grading trimmed cards, then we can trust nothing anymore. Like you're not, you're getting duped just as much. You're just paying up for it. No, you're because up you're, get getting, you're getting duped with authenticity where that card is still holding value. You don't, it doesn't matter if it's been trimmed. Oh no, it's going to hold value because they gave That's a trimmed card a grade. Exactly. But you could send it in and get a grade too. Like if you bought it raw, if they can't tell if it's trimmed and they're, they're grading that many, according to him, who he was practically a professional trimmer. And you guys all know who I'm talking about. Then, then we have real problems. And what can you trust? You can't trust anything then. Well, is the, is the, is the trimmer... But, but ignorance is bliss. If it's trimmed and, and it, it's graded and you could sell it for a profit, do you care? I, I guess, John, my question, my question though about trimming is, and nobody really has a great answer, is if the trimmer does their job, is it possible for PSA or SGC to have technology to catch it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've never heard an answer to that. That's my issue. If it's impossible, it should, it should, if it's impossible it to catch. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it shouldn't be the right size, but I don't know. Maybe he has a way of just slicing such well, a minuscule amount off. Well, yeah, he he said that Tops was so inconsistent that he looks for bigger cards and he trims. Well, the all of a cards. sudden, PSA is calling everything minimum size. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of videos uh, just recently that I never saw in the past with so many getting kicked back and then SGC is grading them. But I I've always said that there, there was inconsistency and any of us that opened up cards years ago, uh, you know, some of them were a little bigger. Some of them were a little miscut. That was just the way they came out of the pack. So, yeah. Always you stack up any cards from 87 before even 87 90s. They're all different size, but yeah. I don't, that, I don't think that matters to me. That doesn't matter. Like, <clears throat> the reason I like graded cards because it's in a slab. It's done regardless if someone trimmed it. I I want to have a I want to have an official value set for the card. I don't want to be the guy back in 1987 that went to the card shop and there's two prices. Yeah, but and you I keep, don't know. Yeah, you keep saying that you paid the same for a beat up one as the other one back then. I don't know where you were buying your cards. <laughs> uh, clearly, you wouldn't pay more for one with a crease through the middle. Well, I was like seven years old, right? You know, like I mean. <laughs> Well, you must have been traumatized. <laughs> Dude, totally. These guys, these old guys were scary. Well, that's it. terrible if they're ripping off a seven-year-old. That's terrible. Scary. But there are it a lot of terrible about, people drawn it, to our industry. It wasn't about our ripping product. me off. It, it was about not communicating with me. Me walking around with my hands behind and not speaking because I was seven years old, nine years old, ten years old, being really quiet. Wanting yeah. just someone reaching out like you and just saying, Oh, yeah, I noticed you look at these vintage cards every freaking day. You come in here for the last four years. Do you want to, like, is it, it's my own LCS, my own card shop's fault. Um, but a lot of them. I went to card shows all the time. I mean, so, yeah. I'm done right. talking, but. 
Hey. I think we're on. Me and hey. John are on the same page. We argue about it, but we're on the same page. Except. No, you're not. We just you're have not different, different. Hey, life if everybody agrees on everything, that. that's not a fun conversation. Well, Greg, let me ask Greg. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Uh, so these guys, PSA, these graders that are determining uh, thousands and thousands of dollars of difference based on grades that are making seventeen bucks an hour, it doesn't it just seem like it's only a matter of time before PSA just goes like tag grading? I mean, if they can, if they, if there's a way to do it. That I mean, doesn't that solve everything if they just go to get rid of the human graders? Maybe they keep them for the big cards. But do you see them having the $17 an hour graders for much longer if they don't have to? Well, the problem is this. And and the problem is PSA knows that as soon as they go to a completely different system or they admit that they go to a completely different system, then all the previous grades are before that happened. And it, it. changes the value of all of the previously graded cards that's the problem so and i've heard them say that even they've said well we you know it's always going to be human you know assisted or humans will always touch the card (laughs) and sign off on it whether or not that's happening or will happen or will continue to happen they're always going to claim that a human is a part of the grading process because as soon as that changes that date everything changes with those previous grades. It doesn't mean that the cards aren't nice still. It doesn't mean that, you know, the person who's collecting the card and not the grade is going to not say, oh, it's not that nice anymore. But the perception from some potential buyers is, you know, even now, that's the other thing about PSA is they've had, you know, now 11 different holders. They've had 11 different holders. And so you can look at the holders and go, oh, well, the reason that that grade is bad is because it's an old holder. And it's like, but wait a second. The standard wasn't supposed to ever change. That's the whole point. The whole point is that it's a set standard and you have to stick with it. And you look at some cards now from early grades, second, third generations, they'll have three creases in them and they'll have a three. If you, I, I've sent cards in recently that that didn't have a single crease, and they got a one and a half. So it's like it's it's changed, but they can't admit that it's changed. But I yes, I think they're going to keep doing that. Because you you took the words right out of my mouth. Because we we have created Cre- this junk slab era, where any anybody that wants to sell a card will tell you if it's in an it's old in holder, home. people are like, no, I'm not going to pay you for that. I'm going to pay you for this. Because it's an old holder. And so now, you if you want to get top dollar, you got to regrade and pay PSA all over again. So we've created this junk slab era. And this is part of why I was saying it's a scam. Because now you're, you're beholden to them, right? So when AI comes out, all the tens of thousands of dollars you're spending on grading right now, it's all shit. And you'll have to get it all regraded again. No. I'm, tell- I'm going to make a statement right now. Never in the history that we're alive... I don't care what happens. PSA is never going to invalidate a grade, whether a human graded at 20 years. They, they, that will kill their company. There's no way they're going to do that. They're, they're not going to do it. I'm just going to say it right now. Theo, go, you want to go ahead. Uh, Greg brought up a good point that I always thought about. I never see a, a former PSA grader that was recently fired or something on anybody's shows ever. Like, I don't know if this is the Willy Wonka chocolate factory where you just go in and you never leave. Like, I, I, I honestly, like, I just want to see somebody inter- interviewed that's in there that says, like, yeah, I look at the car for 30 seconds and it really doesn't matter what grade I give it. There's nobody watching me. <laughs> like, that's, I, that's I don't great point. <laughs> what, great what I think is possible 
And this is a little bit of a stretch, and a lot of people say, Greg, you're insane. But what I think is possible is an after this. Does Dylan not have a mute button? I mean, just hit mute, Dylan. Just hit mute, bro. What the hell are you doing over there? He's filling up a drink for sure. So, his so what I think has a crease in it. What I think is going to happen is a secondary company like a tag is going to take cards in slabs and do some sort of evaluation of the cards in the slabs because not every Michael Jordan rookie card in a 10 is equal. So if somebody can come in and, and this is where I think someone's going to try to try to do it. It's like the MB stickers, you know, the, the PWCC stickers. I really think what somebody's going to try to do is do a, a computerized grading of those and put an additional like stat on it that, but it's based on not an eye appeal opinion, an actual tag type thing to say, well, this is a 10, but it's a 10, you know, plus instead of a 10 minus. I could see something like that catching on because you're right. PSA will destroy themselves if they go completely change course on how to grade. It Wait, just, we're it going ruin 10 them. plus now? Why don't we just go to 11? Or how about a 20-point <laughs> grading system? I'm not saying any of that will will hold. I'm not saying this is a good idea. I'm not saying it will hold. But I, I see that's where the computerized thing is going to kind of come into play. And people are going to try to utilize it in a way like that. But at the end of the day, I think, I, I think it was Mangini said that you know, there's no accountability. It might have been Theo. And and the problem with no accountability is when there is no accountability, then people can do whatever they want. Like, even when I get a sweatshirt and I reach in the pocket, I get a little thing. It says, like, inspected by number 73 or something, right? It, it, it says who was the person who signed off that that was good. It's like, I feel like I'm watching the Olympics in 1984. or Well, not 84, but 88. And, and, you know, we have the, the great uh, figure skater go out there and do a beautiful routine. And it's like nine, five, nine, five. And then a seven, two from the, from the <laughs> Russian judge from the Soviet union judge. And then it's back to nine, five, nine, five. And it's like, well, wait a second. Why aren't you fired that fire that person? Cause they're clearly just hate the guy person because they're an American, but yeah. there was no accountability. There was nothing that happened. Um, I mean, I'm tired of judges being biased and not knowing what they're doing and they're being no we should have we should be able to look up in the code you should be able to scan the card and see who the person was that that graded it why not and what are their qualifications how long have they been there when were they hired what is their expertise when my kid, when my students before would my don't students come up to their parents come to back to school night which they don't do I, you know i have hundred students and I'll have two parents at back to school night. But I start and I say, I'm Greg Miller. I've been a teacher for 21 years. I've been at this school for 19 years. This is my expertise. I went here for college and here for this and this. And I tell them my qualifications. We don't have anything. It's just 17 year old kid from Long Beach State on, you know, Thanksgiving break trying to make a few extra bucks. Here's a, here's something. I, another question I wanted to pose. Like I have cards that is the only PSA graded copy. Well, how the hell can they grade it if they never saw one before? <laughs> well, they could have got a good question. Isn't that a good question? How would well, they even know if it was authentic if they never saw one before? Look, I, that's I, I a great say, question. With, with P, all the faults that PSA has, I blame their competitors. They're pathetic. I look, I root for SGC. I like SGC. I like like I was listening to their podcast today. What like how can you not root for that company? They're the underdog, they're doing everything right. 
except, uh, man, you get, you get, you get uh, a lot of feedback from a lot of the modern collectors. You know, you mentioned the slab earlier, Theo, I think, or, or somebody did, but they don't like the slab. They don't like the label. They don't like the slab. And uh, I know that's to each their own. That's an opinion type thing, but it's yeah. a pretty widely held opinion with the, with the younger people, the modern crowd that they don't like the, the SGC label and how it looks. And, and SGC is going all in on the new on the modern stuff. And I feel like they're leaving the, the vintage guys out to dry. That's their core audience. That's what they built their company on. And there's no registry. They're doing nothing to cater to that collector crowd that loves vintage. Vintage guys like the registry. A lot of them do. Uh, and they don't have one. They still don't have one. They're pumping money into breaking platforms. And, and, and I mean, it, the moves they've made drive me nuts because I just don't understand what they're doing. It's like they've gone, they've come so close and they're just, it's like almost like a product problem now that they, all they got to do is come out with a, an alternate slab, right? You don't have to get rid of the one you have, get a, get one that looks cool for the, for the, and I think that will make a huge difference. Something simple like that could, could put them in a much better spot, but I don't know. Theo, what Just you, give me you, clear glass. Yeah. How clear. They, how they, they've used, companies not they've used the same glass. slab for the last 20 years. I mean, I don't understand. That, uh, I, come on. Tag yeah, and CSG have the best glass in the industry. How are the worst companies in the industry have, I mean, not the worst companies, but the, the lowest end companies have the best slabs. Um, that's the only thing that makes me mad. Well, anyway. you know, the slab's all that matters these days. We collect slabs. <laughs> I want to see the card. We, I want to it, see it, the card. It, it, it's a true statement. True form, we collect John. slabs, not cards anymore. John, I want to see the card, what it looks like. You don't want it if it's in an old slab. You don't want it if, uh, you know, it's this slab and slab you prefer that slab. I'll be, I'll be honest with Adam. One of the reasons where SGC messed up is modern cards. They graded a lot of modern cards 9.5s. You know what the modern collector wants? They want 10s, like John yes. said earlier. So yeah, when the 9.5 thing's dumb. Yeah, when right. you're given 9.5s, that just yep. makes so people so pissed off. They don't want to ever get another card graded. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and like you said, like, okay, so here, here they are next to each other for oversize. I actually have to agree. The PSA oversize actually looks better. than They have too much border on here, in my opinion. Like, this fits – the PSA looks better, but to your I feel point, like that's just that's just card per card. Like they all have different slabs. Yeah, right? except for the off sizes where they roll around in the baggie and turn sideways. <laughs> that's that's junk. To like, your you, point, you don't care they, about the collector if you put that in there like that. But nobody wants their cards turning around in some plastic baggie. It, it, the one thing I'm going to say about Anna's point though is if they had if they had different shades where you could get a yellow border to do a color match on his hat or Pokemon. You could get one with Pokeballs on the outside of, instead of the black. Like, like you said, could they do some type of innovation to maybe get a modern collector more interested? Kind of like HGA did for a while. All right, guys, I don't want to talk about grading the whole time. So let's move. Oh, on wait, 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 oh, I, I want oh, to throw a couple. Ahead. I want to throw out at least one more thing on grading. Right. I've been at, I mean, I know I'm a nobody. I know I'm really low on the totem pole, but I've reached out to, to SGC several times and said, Hey, Peter, come on my, come on my channel. I want to talk to you because there have been times where I, I, I think that us collectors have good ideas. I think the multiple slab is actually a good idea. Like the, the, the vintage guy can go with the tuxedo with the black around the edge and, and the modern guy can pick the, you know, have three styles. And the modern guy can pick the one that's sleek. I mean, when you get an iPhone, 
an iPhone is looks sleeker and it looks more space age every time. But but if you look at the cell phones that we had in 2000, they look like bricks, right? And and you want it to look cool. You want it to look new and sleek. And by SGC not evolving on that, they are absolutely making a mistake. But the other thing that I think that SGC could do, I mean, like literally, I wish I worked on SGC's marketing team because there are some easy things they could do. There are enough people who are mad at SGC. Why doesn't SG or PSA? Why doesn't SGC do like a a a whole campaign, a whole marketing campaign on the switch? Just call it the switch or come on over and we're going to take all your PSA stuff and put it into SGC like at cost and just build that up. Get everything out of PSA slabs and into SGC slabs so that whenever I go to a show, all the top tier stuff isn't in PSA slabs anymore. Like if you did that, if you did that, like literally Mm -hmm. at cost, that would have such an echo effect long term on the symmetry and collections and stuff. But they're, they're not thinking outside the box on that stuff. But I don't want them to go corporate. I don't want them to get big like PSA because then all of a sudden we lose the boutique feel. We lose the charm. So I don't want them to get bigger. I don't want them to take more market share. You mentioned market share earlier. I don't want them to have more market share. I like their market share. What I want is them to be the good company that I go to who is but but can accommodate some of the things that we're asking for. And they're not they're not they're not evolving on the slab and they need to start thinking. And then one more thing that I'll say is there's a company called Mint. And I don't know if you guys have heard about Mint, but Mint is a company that has a super cool display case. And and what they're doing is they're currently working with all the grading companies where you can get your slab switched from the current slab. Keep the grade with the grading company into the mint slab and it's super cool looking it looks like a brand new iphone in there it's super crystal clear glass and then it has these cases that are magnetic and they they just like you can just pop them in there and they they have like a light around them they're beautiful and so i i think that's another thing that might happen is like a third party that comes in and goes hey your slabs suck but your grading's good so how about you allow this under your supervision, you allow us to switch it into our cases so people can have that uniformity. That's another thing that I think has some potential legs to it personally. And don't you think that that Babe Ruth card will add a lot, you know, go, go a long way. It wasn't the mantle that sold. Wasn't that a 9.5 and an SGC slab? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So they've, they're already getting there, right? I mean, that was the most ever paid for a card in an SGC yeah, slab. But only with vintage and and yeah. you know, the modern guys, the SGC tens, Mo- they don't Mo- they don't sell. Modern, moderns where the money's at. That's what where the cards are getting graded at the most, not vintage. Um, in TCG too. I I think to Greg's point though is a lot of collectors want all their cards in the same slabs. Um, yeah. They so do. Greg, Greg's point is have a crossover special so you can cross over everything. And yes. then, and then you exactly, exactly. But I know John hates the word Frankenstein collection, so I'd love to hear John talk about it. <laughs> well, John has a Frankenstein collection. I, I His collection is amazing, but it's <laughs> a Frankenstein Franken- collection. He's got BBG stuff. He's got SGC, old, new, old labels. But it's not a negative word. word. It's it's not a negative word. I collect cards. I don't collect slabs. Guys, and guys, I find guys. the nicest card that I could find in whatever. If it's right. SGC, if it's PSA. Look. 
we've triggered wrong. we've triggered people already with our Slack <laughs> talk. Let's trigger let's trigger them even further now. Let's talk about card prices. Let's let's take out our crystal balls. And it, I think it was about a year ago, Dylan. Right, you and I did an episode of this show here where we you you could t- kind of talk about it, but it, you basically you know you gave your opinion on the future for vintage card prices. Uh, and I know John had a rebuttal to that, and there was a response to the response to the response. So what do you th- what do you have to say about that, Dylan? Let's get that topic first, rolling. First off, I I actually listened to all the videos today because John's yeah. been calling me out going on all the texts going. Dylan didn't know it was the vintage peak. <laughs> Dude, I no, I didn't. Oh, bro, you were like, no, I Dylan, didn't. no, John, John, I know. Well, <laughs> we've had a good time texting back and forth. So I wanted to make sure I got my mind and my, my head straight as far as like, what did I say? I don't want to co- contradict myself. So I listened to all the videos and then I did a response. He did a response and I listened to the R's that he responded to. What I said. This was a this, year ago. For this was eight eight months. This was a long months. time ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. It is crazy. Like, <laughs> um, but John, you took a you took a victory lap on YouTube saying that you were right and you called and it all. And he did off. call. Well, well, John, because everybody, to- everybody told me I called. was crazy and I was stupid and I get off my. <laughs> I didn't say that. And, you know, they they insult you. The people that disagree with you on social media are like, you know, really mean. They're mean. Yeah. No, John, you are right. I give John credit for. Being 100% accurate on the part on the part that he said he thought we were at the peak of vintage, but one Wait, I, and I didn't I didn't mean the big cards, the Mickey, you know, the 52 mantle, all all your iconic cards. I meant the rest of. Wait, 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 but let me let me let me. Uh, so you, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were saying even for the distant future, you felt like at that point, let's say a year ago, vintage as a broad, you know, uh, category. That's the all-time peak. Is that what you were saying? That you don't think even like 20 years from now it's ever going to go past let's that? Go, let's not go I, past I, 20 I, years. I think it'll get worse as time Thanks. goes on. That's what he's saying, though, Dylan. Because what draws what, – what, why is everybody paying these prices? It's our age group who has nostalgia to these, right? When we opened packs, they were cardboard cards. So we have nostalgia, and now we're – you know, our age group's rich, and, and we can afford all these things – because you go back and you want to uh, kind of relive your childhood. You want you have that nostalgia. What I'm saying is the young kids aren't going to have the nostalgia to that. They don't even know who Big Ed Walsh is. You know, they don't know the non-players. They don't know anything about Mickey Mantle, honestly. All they know are his cards go up. And so they want his cards. So that's what I'm saying. Like, who's going to buy the Paul Wainers of the world, the Earl Averills of the world? Uh, nobody, pay, nobody knows the history anymore. Like, most, most kids aren't into that. Right. And they grew up they grew up with a different type of card than we collected. So when they're my age, what's their nostalgia? It's refractors. You know, it's that kind of stuff. It's auto cards. You know, it's 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 pools. I love it. And because, like I said earlier, everything that they buy, they want in a 10. um, you, You just can't collect vintage and have everything in a 10. You know, the rare cards, you're lucky to get them in a 1.5. Some of them. So that was John, or Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Okay, John. What I got out of listening to everything I listened to today, all I did was listen to people talk about prices and our podcast, yours, and we are. I'm 43 years old. I'm I'm a huge collector. There's a million people. There's not a million. There's tons of people like me. We are gonna keep those prices booming. 
for at least 20 to 35 more years. Well, then I why hope... am I finding all these cards so cheap? These well, old ones. Just, I mean, prices, like you called it. Why, you why, said... why, why can you buy a Herbert rookie card? For, you have to pay way more than a, a Babe Ruth. These top I have cards. no, I have no. Why, why Brock Purdy? With... Rick, Rick, for, Rick was just texting me today. That's how it's always been. Brock Purdy. And he's that's like, how it's I can get been. He can get multiple Babe Roots for that price. Modern so, cards so have always case, been worth more than vintage. Yeah, think why, about why are in the moment. Selling for more in most cases, other than these few rare offs. Why do modern sell for more if what you're saying is correct? Because modern figured out how to make it scarce. Modern comp the companies figured out how to make these cards scarce, just like vintage. But so there's tons of scarce vintage cards that don't go for a fraction. That's because they're not popular. They're not. They're not main tops. Like I'm a right. top. So so You're what I'm. my point. I'm, no, I think tops cards. I think there's a. I look. I'll put the prediction out. I, I think that we haven't even seen close to the top of the market of vintage. But I I said during all those things that when we were going through those those times, I said PSA nines and PSA tens and PSA eights were way overblown. And I thought those had plenty of room to fall. I have learned from YouTube, from guys like you and other people, in particular this guy, Matty C, I've learned that eye appeal is the king and eye appeal is centered cards and they're rare and they're hard to find. And, and, and who cares about all that? The point of the matter is, is I'm young. I'm 43 years old. 20 years from now, vintage is still gonna be huge because there's guys just like all of us in this community that are young, 40 years old, young, who are going to boost this thing all the way through. They're not going anywhere. Maybe 50 years from now, the next generation comes along and then vintage is forgotten about. But we have a long way to go before vintage is forgotten about because the hobby is strong because they already I, collect these. Okay, I never said I, forgotten about. I, I just want to clear I never said forgotten about. And I, I have been a proponent that I'm not talking about the biggest iconic cards that i view to be more like investment type pieces of art and they're they're americana right i'm yes. talking about all the rest of vintage and i mean you can argue with me through your blue in the face but i'm seeing it i mean go go buy these cards they're selling for next to nothing they're, they're yeah. back to 2014 prices because not, because, because uh, milk is eight bucks a gallon or whatever you know like not in high eye appeal i you guys are everyone's looking at the comps everyone's looking at like all these charts and when you know look i'm looking at, at what i'm paying well if you're if you're getting a perfectly centered card you're paying the same prices now if not more than a year and a half ago when prices are at the top i'm unless you're in a psa seven and above but when you're in the lower grades i've been selling a ton of the stuff that i purchased when i that i thought was centered back when i went on this kick about a year ago you're in a you're in a three months I've been selling a lot of stuff I thought I bought centered that isn't, and I'm getting more for it than I was then, and that's now. So I should be getting less. I should be losing money, but I'm not. What people are seeing are the comps. They're seeing like what is should be happening. The ugly cards at the top are coming down, and the pretty cards, the rare cards, the tops cards that look good in the lower inexpensive grades that don't have much room to move are staying. They're not going down. And if anything, they're slowly coming up. And I think that the comps don't tell the whole story. And it bothers me when I I love like people bring all the they get all the info, but I'm in the I'm in the hobby every day. I'm on eBay all the time and I'm selling cards constantly. And the good looking cards I sell, I'm getting more for than I paid 
in the peak of the market, in the peak of the vintage. But I agree with you, John. But I also, as far as like certain players and stuff, but I think the cards themselves in I appeal, no matter who it is, is going to hold their value and continue to raise because that centered is the rare copy. And, and, well, and it's... Okay. Theo, what do you think, man? I, I think I, I it's kind of like a hybrid between the two, but it's more towards John is, is I think as every 10 years, like so many players get forgotten about for the most part. And yep. you just go down the line, like 30 years from now, it'll be 300 players. And it's basically, you know, obviously we start with semi-stars get eliminated and then stars get eliminated. And then you get down to just the greats of the great, in my opinion. So like 30 years from now, maybe only, we only know about two of the 50 players. And then a couple more years, we only know about three of the 60 players, like like Mantle, Maze, Aaron. I think I, I don't see them going off a cliff. That's where I disagree with John just mentioned the, the rookie cards. In my opinion, like their whole player runs are going to hold value for those big stars like Mantle, Maze, Aaron, Clemente. I, I, I see that. But as far as the players that played way back when <laughs> that we're already forgetting about, if you ask somebody name – Name as many players as you can that played in the 40s. You know, like people my age in their 30s are going to have a really tough time. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my opinion on it. But I'll throw one thing out. I agree with most of what both of you said, which I, I do think you guys agree with each other more than than you disagree. <laughs> but but Mangini, think... you just Mangini <laughs> just said us rich guys want to re-experience the nostalgia of the packs that we open. You, wait, well, hold I, on. I, meant, I meant our age group. You know, okay. Now, now we're old and many okay. people have money. So us us old guys want to collect the guys for, for we were opening packs of. I'm paraphrasing, but and yeah. and then you said, you know, like nobody's gonna be collecting guys like Earl Averill anymore, who was like born in nineteen hundred. So like I think that you're proof that people collect before who they watched and who they opened packs for. Earl Averill is a yeah. guy that played in the twenties. There are going to continue to be people who enjoy the history of sports history of the game. How did we get to where we are? And they're going to continue to collect, not just, you know, and I'm, I'm the same age as Dylan. And so I'm not just collecting cards from the eighties. I'm collecting cards no, from you, the thirties and the twenties. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're, you're, you're missing right. one little, one little nuance that I said. I said, we grew up with cardboard cards. The old cards are cardboard cards too. The modern cards look nothing like the cards we grew up with. That's what I, that was my point. Yeah, but, but, but back to the grading thing, when you grade an older card, it does look more modern, right? I'm, I'm not saying for my appeal. I'm saying for the next generation's appeal, they might look at this and see something a little bit more shiny. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I know you. Your your point is these kids are never going to actually touch a card in their life. <laughs> well, if you see what some of these modern, like I don't know what you call them, where they make old cards, like an old Mickey Mantle reprint and and a refractor, and it's graded at ten, go look at what those are selling for. I'll bet you, like there are people that would rather have that than the original card, but sure. based on what they're selling for. I mean, some of them are selling for <laughs> ridiculous amounts of money. They're like from the 90s or 2000s. I love modern cards, though. I pay a lot. Of, I pay more for modern cards than vintage cards all the time. It, okay, it, then you're proving my point again. <laughs> no, it's not a proving point. It's the point is that there's 
collecting just goes all over the place. It's not mine. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm talking about people that grow up on these, on the refractors and stuff like that. Man, I don't know if you've been around. I don't know if you watch young people's channels. If you go onto Facebook or Instagram, people talk smack on vintage. They make fun all of some of us collectors. Yeah. They, they don't want that junk. It's old antiques to them. And uh, I don't see that that's going to just change overnight. I think that's going to become more and more and more the norm over time. And we, I know a lot of these young people don't know the history of the game. I, I was, you know, I know a young guy that was over here. He never heard of Mickey Mantle or Roberto Clemente. He was a big hockey fan and he knew every hockey player in the last couple of years. But when I, when I bring up Mike Bossy, never heard of him. Ken Dryden, never heard of him. Uh, so I don't know how, you know, when we were into the sports, we were into the history. We knew all the record breakers. We know all the numbers. You know, Mike Baseball Collector always talks about when your baseball fans know numbers, right? You hear 714, those kinds of numbers. 56, you know what it means. To us, to our generation, young people, they're not, they don't know this stuff like we do. I don't think they have the interest to know it. But young people is, is are, 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 are 10 years old, 15 years old. We're not talking about like no, I'm talking 100 about years from 20s. now. Say they're 20. I mean, you're talking like, like it, to me, in 20 years, I'm not going anywhere. I hope to be alive. Theo's going to be alive. You're <laughs> going to be alive. We're all in this chat's going to be alive. No, we're, I know, but we're going to so, die off at some point. As, yeah, we're not all going to live to be 100. But, but you're saying <laughs> since it's peaked, I think that we haven't even touched it because I think there's still more collectors that are going to be coming in that are going to be attracted to this hobby because there's a, a nostalgic in the old cards, no matter who you are, where you get your information. I had no one in my family like baseball. Hey, I, I, I hope like you're baseball. right. I'm, I, I hope I know, you're right. But yeah, dude, this, I mean, look. So let me John, ask you. Me and John. Man, when I was a little kid, I knew, I knew all the baseball records. I knew all the players. I bought, you know, all these, uh, so many cards uh, before I even went to junior high school. But but I, I do want to make a point though is uh, John John, like, John I, 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 we, a lot of us have kids right um, not a lot of us have kids that like vintage baseball cards right um, I, I mean that's Pokemon that's that's not a good sign in my opinion if the you know if you can't even convert your own child granted when they're thirty maybe they'll convert. <laughs> But but like it's not a good sign that I rarely see somebody on YouTube that their child really cares about vintage. Young kids I know, like my <laughs> relatives, they will not get off that computer. They're gaming all day yep. and night. They're gaming. They they don't watch sports. They don't uh, have any watching your, cards. They're on YouTube watching your videos, bro. You don't even realize it. They're sitting <laughs> watching your, your vintage videos. I don't, I don't and have them. They're sucking it in. <laughs> One positive note, you know, like for my nephew, he's 13 and he he's into Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth, all these guys, because it's awesome. We because his family has told the stories like like my dad did to me. And and you know what? When I was a kid, I, I had my parents and my family and stuff, but I didn't have all this now. You know, maybe they're not going to watch everything, but now we got YouTube and social media. Uh, there's a lot of just more distractions now, but we also have more ability to pass like, you know, with our channels, pass down the stories and why the cards are awesome. And maybe some of that, you know, maybe some of that carries on, who knows, but dude, it's all about TikTok nowadays and TikTok. either getting, getting triggered or women shaking their asses. That's, that's, <laughs> they're on TikTok all the time. 
John, what's your thought then, long-term vintage, what's going to happen in 10, 20 years? And I'm being dead serious because I know you have a lot of money. You have a lot of assets in cards and vintage cards and a lot of pre-war cards and turn-of-the-century cards. So like, but you also sound kind of pessimistic on the long-term value because everybody's interested in the refractor. So like not trying to be funny, dead serious, serious question. Like if your collection is worth X right now in 10 years, is it going to be X plus something percent minus something percent? What is that percent? And then 20 years, like what do you think is going to happen with those pre-war cars? Your, your opinion, because you're kind of negative on it. Not that you're wrong, just that, you know, what is your take on what it will be in 10 years and 20 years if today is is zero? Let me just clear something up. I'm not negative on it. I just that's just what I believe. And, and I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong. And uh, to answer your question, I'm not Nostradamus. I don't know. Um, I'm a collector. I, I really don't care what happens after I die. I never inherited any a dollar from anybody. And so so be it. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to zero. I, I think there will always be collectors. I just think they will become less and less uh, willing to pay up for, for these guys. You know, now maybe guys like Jackie Robinson, Roberto Clemente, the big first guys, right? Um, I, I actually think they will continue to be more popular um, myself. Like you mm-hmm. saw the you saw the uh, in huge increases in Jackie Robinson recently, right? Because he was the first black player. I think you're going to see even bigger increases in Roberto Clemente because most of the new ball players that come and play in the major leagues are Latin players. There's way more Latin people coming to the country. Latin people like baseball more than anybody on the planet, I think. And I think Clemente is going to be the next guy to blow up, in my opinion. Good news for Theo, right? No, 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 I'm not no. selling. I'm not selling. You know, you're in marketing. You study demographics, psychographics, and this stuff is not difficult to figure out, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I predicted the basketball boom. Uh, it's not hard to figure out when you um... – anyway. Nobody loves cards more than me. Nobody sure. wants the hobby to thrive more than me, believe me. I'm just telling you what I think. Yeah. I actually hope I'm wrong. Can, can I ask John a question that I always wanted to ask him? <laughs> oh, no. Sure. Anything goes. John, why don't you ever sell any of your cards? Do you feel like that makes you less of a collector, or is it too much work? No. I, I used to sell off doubles and um, stuff I didn't like uh, back in the day. I, I, I moved to more sending it, giving it away, honestly. Uh, once I got onto YouTube, it, it, it uh, you know, people are sending care packages and this and that. And um, I feel very blessed in my life. And yeah. if I needed the money, would I sell off doubles? Yeah. Um, a lot of them are nostalgic to me where I, I even if I have two or three or four, I, I still want them. I showed my uh, whole bunch of Dave Parker rookie cards the other day. <laughs> um, if I needed the money, would I sell some? Sure, I would. Um, I'm just uh, rather blessed. And I, I, I you know, I, I, I give away uh, more cards than I sell. I haven't sold a card in probably since 2015 or 16. Because um, I used to sell off cards, uh, you know, just to, to buy, to buy cards. Because I, I had tons of doubles. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and currently I don't have that many doubles. So, uh, but I have some doubles of some big cards, like really big cards uh, that I keep in my back pocket. Maybe in retirement, I will sell, you know, it'll give me something to do. Um, yeah, Dylan, I was, I wore that on my, uh, on my uh, video last night. I wore that well, same you, shirt. Yeah, I know you did. And I was so, like, that, so that's why it's not that I'm like like less these. of a collector. I, there's nothing wrong with selling your cards. If you like, most of most of my friends will sell cards to fund buying stuff they really want. You know, exactly. they don't exactly. they don't enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with selling cards. There's nothing wrong with flipping cards. You know, it's just um, the hobby is is everyone. The hobby is the flippers, the dealers, the collectors, the guys that that sell cards to fund their collection. You know, ain't nobody putting them down. So, no, it's definitely not because I feel like it would make me less of a collector. No, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You never really thought about that. <laughs> no, so, that's a good guys, question because I, I, I can understand where you're coming jump off, I, it's, it's been over an hour. I said I would only keep you for an hour. So, if you have to jump off, you have to jump off. But I do want to talk at least for a few minutes about other sports. Dylan, there's these other sports. They're called uh, – the one is football. The other one's basketball. <laughs> Uh, there's even hockey. So I, I know ba baseball cards are king. I agree, but I want to ask you guys. You know, I you uh, Greg, you and John kind of had a um, response type video thing where you know you talked about vintage uh, basketball and football and your thoughts on you know the future for that. Will that make up some ground on baseball cards? Uh, we could talk about that, but I also want to pose the question: What about like what I consider the golden era of um, football, like? the last 20 years uh do you think you know our kid instead of going back you know kids in 20 years they're going to want to go back as far as like jim brown and so forth do you think that they're going to want to go back and collect peyton manning and drew Brees and you know emmett smith even i mean all the like the the real legends of like when we in our lifetime do you think those will make a big dent into baseball cards because football was so popular during this time period even you know, popular than basketball and, and baseball probably combined. What do you, what do you, what do you think on all that guys? Uh, well, I'll just want to throw it out there and we'll talk about well, that. for a few minutes. The first thing I'll say, I mean, you know, I do think, you know, man, Jeannie and I disagreed a little bit on, on football. Um, I, I think it's interesting though, because my reasoning for why I think football is undervalued and has a lot of upside is for the same reasons that he just explained why vintage cards could potentially fall out of favor and it's that all these kids now are opening refractor this refractor that so they're not going to be interested in the old cardboard but the the kids nowadays are their football football fo football's first second and third and so if they start to do what every one of us five did and collect the people before we were watching when we were kids then they would be into the football cards first. So, so my main reason for thinking football is, is, has a lot of upside. I mean, you can buy a second year Jim Brown card, you know, from 1959 in a six for like 300 bucks, 350 bucks, but you can't do that with one of the best baseball players of all time. And, and I don't think it's ever going to dismantle foot, uh, baseball from being king. Baseball is king. Baseball cards will stay king, but I do think that that the undervalued of football is mostly because the kids that are collecting nowadays, they don't collect baseball. They collect a little bit of basketball, but it's mostly football, and I think that they'll eventually go backwards. 
So that was my reasoning for that. What is the golden era? Go on, let's hear it. My answer is gonna my answer is gonna surprise you. And uh, Greg, what, I changed your I was, mind. No, what I was <laughs> responding to you, what I was responding to you was you said vintage football. And I always point out that after the Mel Blunt rule, um, no old player will ever have any stats. And that's all sports fans care about are stats. And so, therefore, no old quarterback, Johnny Unitas, can't hold a candle to the yardage that Scrubs put up today. And so, my point is that number one, is all the top quarterbacks are modern, all the top receivers are modern, and stat-wise, they'll never hold up, and people don't know them. My second point was that the NFL does a terrible job of promoting the old players like baseball does, and so they're not going to know them. Uh, to your question, Adam, I believe, yes, that as football, if it stays as popular as it is and maybe even get more popular, yes, they're going to want to collect Drew Brees. They're going to want to collect Peyton Manning because they have the stats. And those are the guys to them that are going to be kind of the vintage guys that Mantle was to guys my age. So I, that probably surprises you. But so I, I let me, uh, let me just give one quick response because I'm a little confused. Because a minute ago you said the guys with the most upside were Jackie Robinson or Roberto Clemente. And stat-wise, they're not huge stat guys. So you just said they have the most upside, and then you said people only care about stats. Then you also said a minute ago that guys cared about all the numbers, about all the stats, 56, you know, seven, the number, all these different numbers. You said that that's all we used to care about, and nobody cares about it now. But you're saying the football guys, the kids are only going to care about the football players with the high stats. So it, I, I – I don't get it. You're, you're just trying to get me to argue because <laughs> what I said was that they were firsts. Those guys are bigger than their stats. Obviously, Jackie Robinson does not have the top stats. In football, because of the rule changes, Johnny Unitas can't hold a candle to Phillip Rivers, even though he was regarded as the greatest quarterback up until the modern era. And when you're looking at these guys – you know, they're not going to compare. They're not going to compare. If you didn't see them play or somebody hasn't told you about them, why aren't, why aren't they selling for a whole lot now then if they're so popular and everybody wants them? I mean, football is already the, the most popular game in America. Why aren't they selling? You just mentioned you can get that Jim Brown card for next to nothing. And yeah. it's been that way my whole life. I, I, I have an enormous football collection. And, but they just never had the value uh, for the most part. Um, than baseball cards. They just never did. And I don't know how that's going to necessarily change. Uh, especially, like I said, none of those old guys stand up. They're not on, they're not going to be on the top 500 list soon. We play more games now. You know, they, they played more games, back, they played less games back then. I mean, Don Hudson played in nine game seasons, 10 game seasons, 11 game seasons. He was insane. He, he dominated dominated he won like um eight eight out of his 11 years one uh, had the most touchdowns had the most yardage uh every year uh but nobody knows who he is no one even heard of him and he held the all-time touchdown record that at one time was considered to be like babe ruth's home run record and when the rules changed what happened they added games they changed the rules what happened james lofton and steve largent broke all the all the records until a guy named Jerry Rice came along and then he broke all their records. 
because it, the whole game changed. Guys, guys, I mean, uh, if I do say so myself, Hugo has the comment of the night there, of course. I mean, that's perfect comment. Uh, but, uh, serious question. What is what is the golden era of football then? Lou says I'm crazy that it's the, the Brady era. What's Joe the golden Montana. era of football? Joe Montana era. Joe Montana? No. Only time, I, I, I only time a guy who football ever watched it was Joe Montana era. Only reason I say that. No other – Reason for well, that. let's see. Bas uh, baseball was the 50s and 60s, right? Then you get the Michael Jordan era for basketball. Isn't it the Tom Brady era for football? I know I'm a homer with Brady, but I, 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 would, I would say 90s and 2000s. Okay, that's so, fair. Uh, th that was the best quarterback, in my opinion, the best quarterback play. Like, obviously, the stats are better today because the rules are even better, in my opinion, today than they were even in the 90s, but um. I, I think people in the chat made a good point too is football pricing like quarterback is king as far as any type of relevance and like like John was saying you earlier though, you can't like, give a receiver away or a running back <laughs> like like Johnny Unitas is still not that popular but like you were saying Tom Brady Peyton Manning they at least have some type of value in the hobby um, compared to some of these running backs and receivers you know yeah I mean you can't give a running back away. They sell for nothing. No, most we, ride receivers too. Uh, I mean, Calvin, they, might be, they might be hot, like if their rookie year, like uh, Jefferson or something like that. For but they they fizzle. They they all fizzle. Well, I mean, even if you look at like Calvin Johnson, um, he had yeah. an amazing he had an amazing perfect, career, perfect but his example. cards his cards are people really don't care much. <laughs> no, they don't care. No, they don't care. No. It's a, it's Jerry Rice. That's it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well. I feel like we need a part two to this at some point. You know, Dude, you can't end this. You can't end this. I feel bad. I, I told you guys an hour. It's an hour 13. You know, I like <laughs> to stay to my word. It always goes longer. But what else? What, what do we want to talk about? The YouTube Sports Card Hall of Fame or what, what else? What do you think? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, man, that could get wild. No. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think right, Jeannie, uh, man, I think Jeannie, your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. The, the Hall Let's of Fame go. is a wonderful thing, and uh, you know it's it's a great way um, for fellow YouTubers to recognize uh, channels they really like and get something from. I, it's, I don't really have much else to say. Who, who's the uh, who's the big candidates that are available to vote for this year? Do you guys know? I don't. I mean, with the with the three year rule, you you kind of have to Don, do Don, some homework. Don, Don, feel the dreams. Let's go, one. <laughs> Don oh! qualifies this year. I think TJ Mack qualifies this year. Great chance. Nice. Oh, um, Terry! But I, I, don't, yes! I, I don't know. I only know the ones that were just cut off last year that I couldn't vote for. Hmm. And uh, those two spring to mind. But Terry and Don, dude, let's go. <laughs> Do you vote on it, John? Yes. Did you guys vote last year? Theo, did Absolutely. you vote last year? I unofficially voted. I didn't qualify. I don't know. I don't remember if I qualified or not, but I think I did. I, I voted if I qualified. I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, you you have to be a full year on YouTube. There's yeah, like I, I I voted. For and sure. I was like ten months. So. I'll tell you what. I, I I'll be honest with you guys. It you get such backlash when you do a ballot when you do that voting video. You get such backlash uh, that it, there's it, it brings a lot of negativity. Mm. And I, to be honest with you, I didn't want to vote the last two years. I didn't even want to, you know, vote because it's it's just, it becomes such a negative thing that should be a positive thing. But yeah. as a YouTube Hall of Famer, and I think all of us feel this way, 
you know, it's your obligation to vote. People voted you in. And if you're a Hall of Famer, you should vote. John Wade Boggs fan. You guys are the same people, right? I don't see. I need help knowing like who's on the ballot. I, yeah, I, that, I know a few. Well, it's but, anybody you want to vote for. Well, they have to be three years, right? As long as they qualify. Yeah, yeah, three years. And as long as you qualify to vote. Yeah, I should have voted last year. I, I was too busy building the website, so I got distracted and I forgot to vote. But I, apparently I could have. So I'll vote this year. Yeah. Greg, how yeah, long they, they changed it to 10. On. It used to, I think, it, I think the first year Jake took over, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was five. But I could be wrong. But and, and some people don't vote for all 10. Some people would just pick the just the ones they want. And, and you know, they only have three that they think should get in and they vote for three. You don't have to vote for 10. John, what's I, I saw there was a video today about it. And um, my question is, what's your opinion that it's mostly all vintage guys? Like there's no modern collectors in the YouTube Hall of Fame, really, or not many? Well, I, I disagree with that. Um, there are guys that are big 90s collectors I know in there that, that – aren't big vintage guys there there are breakers in there um i i don't know i don't know um i'd have to delve in deeper there were a bunch of uh people that got in like before i was on youtube that i i, I really didn't know some of them aren't even doing content anymore uh but th there was a mix uh and I, I i certainly think as time goes on especially this year there's probably going to be a lot more uh, modern guys in there's probably going to be more breakers in uh, I don't know maybe even some of the, the the guys that like to regurgitate news or um, some of those kinds of channels look in a <laughs> way sports car dad doing his thing even whether whatever we all think about that brings attention to it and it makes it more legitimate in the long term meaning look it opens it up because yes this is like an old man's club so to speak this vintage little community that we have it's not not like it's hard to get into but it but the votes do go towards those as far as i've seen in the last two years but having a guy like that whether he's making fun of it or he's making a legitimate at some point the youtube hall of fame thing like you got to go through the 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 ropes right so to speak just like surfers you can't just come out and catch any wave i'm not even gonna look at you don't even look in my eyes. Wow. Don't even look at me. I'll tell you to go in. If you're not, you haven't surfed here before. You go in. You get out of my way. I said it today. <laughs> Don't be in my way. I told three guys today. You go here. You go here. You go in. You're out of here. Like, you need to spend time. And I, I understand how that works in this. And I feel like it is a lot like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to make your, you got to put your time in. And I, I think it's cool. Well, I mean, all publicity for it is good publicity. The more people that vote, the better. I mean, it, it's meant to, you know, it's meant for the people who uh, watch to recognize people they really enjoy. And, you know, there's, a, there's, there's always going to be the aspect where you, you're going to vote for your friends, right? Like if all things are equal, you're going to vote for your friends. That's, that's going to be part of it. Uh, but, you know, like I, I vote for channels I think deserve it. And that's, um, that's another aspect. You might put people you think deserve it over maybe channels that might even be better, but it, it's a very personal thing. Everybody has their own criteria and, uh, and that's what it's about. So all the publicity, I, I, I have to say though, I've never heard, I've never seen anybody campaign for it before. This is a new one. And, uh, God, I hope that this isn't the new norm. Um, cause man, how many videos are we going to be watching for campaign ads? <laughs> 
Well, like, campaigning I mean, the, the real, campaigning the real for yourself, bad enough, right? We're campaigning for someone time. else is one thing, but campaigning for yourself is another thing. That's right. right. <laughs> at least, at least, pay someone to do it for you. <laughs> one of the things I struggle with a lot is there are a lot of really good channels out there that I still don't know exist. Like, I don't even know they exist, and I watch a lot of stuff. And so, one of the things I like about the concept is that. It's a place to kind of go, like a central place of this is an established guy who kind of knows what they're doing and puts out quality stuff regularly. And I think that's great because like even tonight, I've heard you guys mention two or three channels that you you referred to as great channels. And I'm like, I've never even heard of that channel. And I wish I should have been writing them down. But like, you know, I was talking to Mike Baseball Collector the other day, and he was like, yeah, there's less cross-pollinization that goes on than we realize. Like, that, we kind of get in these little sections, and we're yeah. kind of around these guys, and then we don't even get exposed to these guys. And I wish there was a way that there could be, like, a compiled list of, like, all the channels out there, like, how many subs they have or how many, you know, like, some sort of ranking or idea and if there is i'd love to have it and this is kind of the only thing that is like that because like there are a lot of channels i know i'm missing out on that i wish i knew existed well you bring up a great point and that's part of what it is and i can't tell you how many um channels i subscribe to that i learned about from people voting for them mm. I, I see well oh my god everybody's voting for this person i never heard of them and i go check them out and some of them i can become friends with you know uh, and the same with um, my subs, you know, blew up when uh, when I started getting nominated because people are like, who's this guy? Because I got in like I was just over a year uh, when I got in. So I was still unknown. And I remember like Jimmy Guns, for example, the first time I ever saw him was when he was voting for me. And now we text, you know, now I know. And so uh, that's what it's all about. You know, that's 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 a thing. Uh, it shouldn't be about all, all this drama and a lot of the, the negativity that comes out. It's it. It should be about the, the, you know, making those connections and get together at the national and, and, uh, and learning about, you know, new people and supporting each other. Jimmy uh, guns taught me how to cut a, a penny sleeve, the very corner with the scissors yeah. and you slide <laughs> the card in there and it blew my mind. 40 years of, of collecting cards. And I, I never realized you could every slide it in day there. from somebody <laughs> every yeah. day. I learned something new from somebody. Yep. Yep. I, I just want to say, you know, regarding the sports card, Dad, I watched his video and, uh, you know, he wants to get in the YouTube Sports Card Hall of Fame. And, you know, he's, like you said, he's an outsider and there's this group that's, you know, in the Hall of Fame and people that maybe doesn't know. Well, instead of campaign, why not invite some of these people on your channel? Because right? he only invites people that are bigger than his channel. So none of us qualify. It's a fair point, um, but. If you truly want to, you know, for me, this is about like this. I like doing this stuff, getting yeah. to know people, connecting, right? Like <laughs> it's true. What do you mean? Man, you're getting radical. I thought I was debating. Debating. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and all the stuff I've, you know, that's kind of how I built my channel on like uh, meeting people, bringing them on my channel, and everyone's doing that now. So uh, why not meet new people by having them on your channel if that's truly what you want to do? I don't know. That's just a thought, but you know. Yeah, you're well, gonna stay an outsider if you do don't us, interact right? with these people. We all do. Us. I've, I've, I've like never had that. What you're doing right now, I've never done, and I really like doing it. Like when you reached out to me, you and Dylan reached out to me. I was like, dude, yeah, like 
heck yeah that's I, I've, I've seen you guys on i watch your stuff and i like doing it but like literally i've never hosted a live stream i've only hosted one live stream and it was just me and it was like a week or two ago like i haven't done it and i don't really know why i haven't done it because i really like doing it and then i could pick who i have right it'd be just me and mangini I'll tell you why you haven't done it. Uh, you haven't done it because it's it's pretty like you in the beginning. You, it's really scary because your words are going to be live. Like you don't have a chance to delete something that you say that's just dumb. And I say dumb stuff all the time. I say dumb <laughs> stuff tonight. We all do. We all do. As as we all a, certainly. We all certainly yeah, do. As long as you're a normal human, I've realized like I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything that. I'm not going to say to my nephew. So there's like that. I think the live thing you get more comfortable with. And yeah, I love that, Greg. That was great. That was a great thing to bring up. And Well, the, Greg, the videos yeah. you do, they're so, they're so well put together. Yeah. I, I mean, I can tell that, that you, you spend a lot of time on your videos. So you like my videos are crap. I just get in front of the computer and talk for oh. 10 minutes or, you know, like I don't put any work into them, but so I have the ability to like schedule, hey, come on my channel. But like, if you're spending all the time on your videos, it's harder. You know, it's so, just yeah, a like, different. Greg, it's Greg, a different style. It's a yeah. different style. You know, it's a diner versus a sit-down restaurant versus fast food. We're all different styles, and that's what makes it fun. If they were all the same, they would none of them would be good. So it's just you. You get to pick off the menu, and and I love you know I love everybody's channel on here. I'm subscribed to all of your guys' channels. I watch your stuff all the time, and some of you I wish you posted more than you do because i'm like i get excited when something posts so yeah greg uh, i you know we we just kind of got to know each other uh, uh, via text but where i grew up out of Pitts outside of pittsburgh the way uh the way me and my friends always would show uh, affection is we'd always bust each other's chops and, mm -hmm. and so the fact that that, that that busting your chops is is a, a compliment really like if, if i don't like you i'm not gonna bust your chops <laughs> that's hey I, I i when you when you responded to my video that time i loved it i loved yeah. it i i i like interaction and you know i live in california which is a little bit different than the rest of the country and the world and and there are times that you're kind of looking around and you're like is is anybody you know but with the best part of this youtube thing and i know it's cliche to say but is is meeting people from all over the country and Canada. And there are so many people that are such good people. And like, when you guys asked me to come on today, I'm like with those four guys, heck yeah. Like that, you know, I get to meet more quality people and, you know, Christmas from Missouri came on a few minutes ago and he's like, Hey, all you great guys and Greg, you know? And so I immediately text him and I love Chris. Like, everybody i've met through this whole thing orlando you know and all these people in here it, it's sammy just came in like there's i mean sammy i haven't talked to in nine months i love sammy i'd love to talk to sammy and he i don't think i have sammy's number but i wish i did because i would text him more but like it's such great people like everybody is a really really good guy i can't wait for the national I got I got to say this because you're you're so right. I mean, when when I get, if you want to reach out, there are so many good people. You reach out, everybody's willing to help you. They'll send yeah. you care packages, uh, just out of the blue, like very generous. 
And, you know, we get a lot of shit. Like, everybody's like, oh, you know, they, they get off our lawn guys or the vintage guys. They're the collecting. But you don't see any of us uh, on sports card radio when we're scamming people or when we have all these all this drama uh, that, that goes on. Because it's a good group of people. It's a good yeah, group of really people. it really is. It really and they, is. And they accept you. Everybody say, well, they're, they're a, a click and they won't accept you. I, I, did, I never saw that. I mean, I've had complete strangers come up to us at the National and walk the floor with us all day long. Uh, I, I just never saw anybody shun anybody or do anything shady or rip anybody off or anything like that. Yep. Well, guys, um, my wife ordered DoorDash, so I, I got to get out of here. I got to go eat. <laughs> Sounds this was good. awesome. I love I love doing these. This was well, fun. Adam. You wanted a fiery conversation. You got one. Yeah. Hey, it's fun, man. I fiery it. with love, though, because every yeah. every every back and forth Amen. fire, there is always smiles and love. Like, and, I love and you know, all you guys. I I got to say, like our our little text thing that we got going, and I got a few of them with a bunch of you guys. Like, I don't want this to end. So plan <laughs> another thing in the future because I need to keep this going. Like, I need Mangini to keep sending me pictures of his cards because it's it's too good when I get thirty in a row of his collection. I'm like, hey, dude, John, now I know why you get. That John, one card is worth weird. more than my whole collection. John got suspended from Instagram for posting too many cards. That's how much he loves cards. I know, right? I got uh, banned for posting too many cards. Uh, you guys are going to block me for texting too many cards. No. Sammy, you you just said yeah. thanks. Sammy, get Theo, have Theo give you my number. Text me. Yeah, sounds good. Oh, I, Dylan, match. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I've been shot. I shot him on the last. I do. Scott, man, if you guys want to help, you know, support a fellow collector and an artist, incredible artist, go to Reindeer Studios. Scott, go to his channel. He has a Etsy store and he, and I really want to, I mean, he doesn't need the help. He's incredible, but why not buy shirts from a fellow collector who's making shirts that we love to wear? He has all these, these vintage shirts um, tobacco card shirt that he's designed um, and they're really comfortable and they fit perfect. So Scott, Reindeer Studios, again, can't thank you enough for everything you've done. Is he there the guy go, that did about, the Misfit shirt? About great people in the community. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He, he did the Misfit shirt. Misfit shirt? Yeah. And then the yeah. Chris yeah. from Missouri picture, is that yes. him or is that? Yes, that's yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. He also makes homemade baseball cards and sends them out with his art. Really? Yeah. Rain, oh. See, and again, this I have, is his never, right here. I've never heard of this guy, Reindeer Studios. Yeah. Yep. See, right I, we need a database. Oh, yeah, yeah. We need to. I should make oh. a database and then make it public, and then we can all yeah, add to it. You should do that. You're good. He's at that he's, stuff. he's an unbelievable artist, and he will commission. You could commission him, and he makes these incredible pieces. He made. Uh, I think it was for George. Uh, yeah, George Diamond Yard Sports Cards. I think yes. uh, when we were at the National, he showed up with this. It was a satchel page, and it it was almost like on a, a, a rectangular plate, uh, like a, a frame, and it, it popped out, uh, and it was almost 3D. It was just incredible. I mean, it was an amazing piece. Yeah, that that oh, website yeah. I just put up there, uh, I'm biased because I maybe I put it together, but uh, <laughs> go to that go to that site. Those are all the all the you know people in the Hall of Fame now. It's not all the great channels, but oh, it's a cool. good start if you want to connect with people who've been on a long time and 
you know, that, that's go to that site. They're all, all the channels are linked from there and uh, Scott's on there. So you get a lot of, a lot of awesome channels you could discover through that. Okay. I'm going to do that. Yep. Scott, is that really how it's spelled? Mookie Scott S K A G H T or yes. That's pretty awesome. Cool. Look at Adam. He's like, we got to go. Turn back the clock's over, boys. Adam, how, Until how, next time, boys. How many, how many people were in here with us today? Two. Oh, it's just 32 right now. <laughs> well, keep in mind, Mike Baseball Collector was doing a live auction and Sports Card Radio was going. Sports so those Radio? are two big groups. We had 100 until we started talking, and then it went down. Went down, 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 down. Greg brought in all his bots, so that's why we were up there. <laughs> I, I've been paying a lot for bots, man. <laughs> All, right, All right, guys. Hey, All right, good talking to you guys. Love you guys, and uh, keep texting me. Yeah, Sounds thanks good. for including me, Adam. Thanks, guys. Thank See you, guys. You guys. Right. See you guys.